10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year! Welcome to the very first Rapidly Rotating Records show of 2021, an hour of toe-tapping music from Rapidly Rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s, with yours truly, Glenn Robison, on Island Radio, KISL Avalon, at 88.7 on your FM dial, and at KISLAvalon.com on your internet dial. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. In the second segment of tonight's show, we'll have another episode of One Thing in Common. And in other segments, we'll get vaccinated and play some clean songs. But first, I don't know about you, but I'm glad 2020 is behind us and hope things will quickly begin to get better in the new year. They'll vastly improve automatically in less than three weeks. So with the new year for this first segment, I've got some new songs, starting off with Ted Lewis. Will bake a hole when the brewers brew and folks will all get a break. 
Yes, sir. A new day's coming for Levy and Burke. A new day's coming for the boss and for the clerk. Oh, no more bombing. No, sir. We'll all go to work. There's a new day, a new day coming soon.
been heard as a sideman just a couple of times on the show before, but there you have pianist Frankie Carl and his Sunrise Serenaders with It's a Whole New Thing. That's from Vocalion 5155, made October 5th, 1939. James V. Monaco wrote the tune, and the Charles Newman lyric was sung by the Leanne sisters, Virginia, Jean, Miriam, and Marie, who also appeared in the 1941 Ted Lewis short, Is Everybody Happy? Soon after this recording, they changed the name of the group to the Lee Sisters. Frankie Carl was born Francis Nunzio Carloni on March 25, 1903, and he'll be getting his very own segment in about three months. It's a Whole New Thing was preceded by Horace Height and his musical Nights with Dawn of a New Day, written by the Gershwin Brothers to help promote the 1939 New York World's Fair, celebrating the world of tomorrow. The vocal chorus on Brunswick 8313, recorded January 26, 1939, was Charles Goodman, harpist in the band. And speaking of Is Everybody Happy, we started the show with Ted Lewis letting us know there's a new day coming, and I hope he's right. Columbia 2753 was recorded January 31, 1933. I'm Glenn Robison, and you and I are listening to Rapidly Rotating Records bringing you vintage music to which you can't not tap your toes from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s. It's time now for another episode of One Thing, One thing in, in Common. 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 
You know, that's where we play a set of songs which seemingly have nothing whatsoever to do with each other, yet have one thing in common. Here to start off this edition is Benny Moten's Kansas City Orchestra. Thank you. 
Crust Doughboys with Zip Zip Zipper from OK06594, recorded in Dallas, Texas, on February 27, 1941. The vocal trio consisted of J.B. Brinkley, guitarist, Joe Ferguson, who played string bass, and Parker Wilson, who played, well, nothing in the band. Zip Zip Zipper was written by Marvin Montgomery, who played tenor banjo in the band. In 1931, Bob Wills brought a band to the attention of the Burris Mill Flower Company, whose sales and advertising manager was W. Lee O'Daniel, better known as Pappy. He bought the band, which he named the Light Crust Doughboys, and had them sing commercials on the radio for the Flower Company. O'Daniel fired the band after a couple of years, but they continued performing live around the country and recording. In 1935, Pappy O'Daniel left Burris Mill and formed his own company, the W. Lee O'Daniel Flower Company, which manufactured Hillbilly brand flour. As he had with Burris Mill, he formed a band called the Hillbilly Boys, led by his son Pat, to promote the company's products. O'Daniel's Flower Company and the Hillbilly Boys are long gone, but the Light Crust Doughboys are still together and performing, now led by Art Greenshaw. O'Daniel went on to become governor and U.S. senator from Texas. Before the Doughboys was Red Norvo and his orchestra with Jivin the Jeep from Brunswick 7896, recorded in Chicago on March 22, 1937. 
We started the segment with Benny Moten's Kansas City Orchestra and Everyday Blues from Victor 38144. In most of his records to this point, Benny Moten does double duty directing the band while playing piano, but in this October 23, 1929 session, which resulted in four other issued sides, and from that point on, Moten turned the keyboard over to Count Basie. Everyday Blues was written by Moten and Eddie Durham, who played trombone and guitar in the band, and arranged Everyday Blues. At this point, you probably wouldn't be able to guess the one thing in common to these three records, but an important clue is that Everyday Blues is also known as Yo-Yo Blues. So now you have three products, Yo-Yo, Jeep, and Zipper. And what do those three products have in common? Well, their brand names were originally trademarks, but have become generic words through the process of genericization, which can result in a company losing its trademark. Thermos, Kleenex, Coke, and Jell-O are other well-known examples, but there's a surprising number of other famous brands that have become genericized. The Dempster Brothers introduced their mobile garbage bin, the Dumpster, in 1936, but that trademark has now expired. The Otis Elevator Company invented the moving stairway conveyor transport device they trademarked as the Escalator in 1900. They lost the rights to the word in a 1950 lawsuit, partly because they used the term Escalator generically in their own advertising. The quiescently frozen confection on a stick known as a Popsicle was invented in 1905 by Frank Epperson. The trademark has been the subject of numerous lawsuits and is now owned by Unilever. Laundromat was a trademark of the Westinghouse Electric Corporation in 1940, and acetyl salicylic acid was introduced in 1897 by Bayer as aspirin. The German company was forced to give up its trademark after World War I as part of the Treaty of Versailles. And there are lots more examples, including ping-pong, pogo stick, kerosene, and band-aid. Thanks for playing One Thing, One in, thing common. in Common. common, common. Some songs by contemporary rappers, pop stars, and R&B artists contain lyrics which are less than wholesome and even downright filthy. But some musicologists maintain that the 1930s was the dirtiest decade in music. Now, I've played some less-than-G-rated records by Lucille Bogan and others, but the following records are all absolutely pure and clean, I assure you. Here's Yvonne King. I said no, he said please. I said no, he said please. I said no, he said please. Pretty baby. I said no, he said why, I said no, he said why, I said no, he said try, I said maybe, he said now, I said well, he said oh, and you'll never 
man who knows his business will know just what it's all about. Oh, hurry, sweet electrician, cause I've burnt out my fears. Oh, hurry, sweet electrician, cause I've burnt out my fears. You can save me from those cruel electrician Just a bashful boy in love with Mary Green. She is really the sweetest gal that I have ever seen. I've always lacked the courage to even squeeze her tight. But I've resolved to do my stuff when I see her tonight. I'm gonna give it to Mary with love. I've got something that she's fondest of. Now I know that she has had it before. And Mary's a gal that all the fellas adore. I'll let her take it. Right in her hand Cause I know she'll stroke it so grand Like Jack and Jill We'll both get a thrill When I give it to Mary with love My little kitten I'll give it to Mary with love I'm gonna give it to Mary with love She's my sweet, cute turtle dove About my loving She's always been keen She'll say when I give it, it's the finest she's seen. She'll think of it long after I'm gone. I'm gonna put it right where it belongs. Like Cleo and Mark, we'll spoon in the park. When I give it to Mary with love, I mean a necklace. I'll give it to Mary with love. bashful and shy I'm afraid she'll take it from some other guy I want to be her number one man and give it the best that I can I'll be daring and dashing for she's my passion when I give it to Mary with love I mean a diamond I'll give it to Mary with love Thank you. 
like to pet And every evening we get set I stroke it every chance I get It's my girl's pussy Seldom plays and never purrs And I love the thoughts it stirs But I don't mind because it's hers It's my girl's pussy Often it goes out at night Returns at break of dawn No matter what the weather's like It's always nice and warm It's never dirty, always clean In giving thrills, never mean But it's the best I've ever seen Is my girl's pussy Goes out at night and returns a break of dawn, break of dawn. No matter what the weather's like, it's always dry and warm. I bring it bits that it loves. We still like to turtle doves. I take care to remove my gloves when stroking my girl's pussy. It's been recorded more recently by Ian Whitcomb and R. Crumb and his Cheap Suit Serenaders, but there you have the original, Harry Roy and his Bat Club Boys in August of 1931, and My Girl's Pussy, written by Harry Roy. The label of that British Oriole 78, number P104, shows the title as simply Pussy, with an exclamation point. And remember, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Before Harry Roy was Cliff Edwards in November of 1936, singing I'm Gonna Give It to Mary with Love, even though the label of that Hollywood Hotshot 78 shows the title as I'm Going to Give It to Mary with Love, and also lists Edwards' other identity as Ukulele Ike. That song holds a distinction of being banned by the BBC. We heard Lizzie Miles for the first time on the show telling us about her electrical problems from Victor 23306, waxed January 27, 1930. Electrician Blues was written by Andy Razaf and Harry Brooks accompanies Lizzie on piano. Lizzie Miles made records for Columbia, OK, Brunswick, and Victor from 1922 to 1930, and will be getting her own birthday segment on the April 4th show. And remember, sometimes a socket is just a socket. We started off this clean segment with Yvonne King saying no, but eventually getting worn down by a persistent salesman and saying yes to a subscription to Liberty Magazine on I Said No. 
Yvonne was backed by Alvino Ray and his orchestra on Bluebird 11391. I Said No was written by Julie Stein and Frank Lesser for the Paramount picture Sweater Girl, where it's sung by Betty Jane Rhodes, who also made a commercial recording of I Said No. Hildegard, Lillian Lane, Amy Arnell, Nan Wynn, Edie Lang, and Helen O'Connell also all said no, as did Margot, whose real name was Maria Margarita Guadalupe Teresa Estela Bolado Castilla y O'Donnell. I'm Glenn Robison, whose real name is Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. We're here each and every Sunday evening at 6 on Island Radio, FM 88.7, KISL Avalon, and KISLAvalon.com. This and all of our previous shows are also available 24-7, on demand, anytime at all, online at RapidlyRotatingRecords.com. And we're on all the major podcast directories. We now have a couple of vaccines approved for emergency use against COVID-19 here in the U.S., with others still in the pipeline. Of course, now the challenge is distribution, but I'll get vaccinated as soon as it's available to me. The common phrase for being vaccinated is to get a shot, and I encourage you to get vaccinated, and Walter Davis also thinks you need a shot.
And when your medicine's gonna come you down I want you to hug me tight Yeah, your medicine come now, baby We started off that vaccination set with blues singer, pianist, and songwriter Walter Davis with his composition, I Think You Need a Shot. Somehow I don't think Walter was talking about a COVID shot, and that record could have been included in the last segment of Double Entendres. I Think You Need a Shot was recorded April 3, 1936, with Davis accompanying himself on piano. 
And the label of Bluebird 6498 shows the title as Think You Need a Shot. Because the COVID vaccinations require two doses, I Think You Need a Shot was followed by Give Me Another Shot. I really wish that record were in better shape, and I went back and forth trying to decide whether or not to include it, but it's a nice tune, so I wound up playing it. That was Casey Bill Weldon, credited as Will Weldon, in Chicago on March 24, 1937. That's from a document CD reissue, but I found a 1982 LP reissue on Earl Records, an Austrian label, and ordered it. It's coming from England and remarkably is still sealed and unplayed. I'm hoping the source material on that LP will be in significantly better condition than the copy you just heard, and if so, I'll play it. If not, it wasn't a huge investment and there may be some other tracks worthy of airplay. The links I go to to bring you this music. And we're not quite done with the vaccinations. This next record is an instrumental titled The Last Shot Got Him, but it secured its place in the playlist because of the name of the group, Chenoweth's Cornfield Symphony Orchestra.
Clarinetist Fess Williams and his Royal Flush Orchestra with Big Shot, written by Williams and Hank Duncan, pianist in the band. Victor 38128 was recorded May 15, 1929. I don't know where the name Royal Flush Orchestra came from. Williams formed the band in 1926 and for most of its four-year life was resident at Harlem's Savoy Ballroom. Before Fess Williams was a record I played more for the name of the band than anything. That was Chenoweth's Cornfield Symphony Orchestra with The Last Shot Got Him, written by Cecil Mack and Chris Smith. OK recorded that in Dallas in October of 1924, issued as catalog number 40246. The Chenoweth in Chenoweth's Cornfield Symphony Orchestra refers to fiddler W.B. Chenoweth. William Benjamin Chenoweth, better known as Ben, was born December 10, 1867, in Indiana. Sometime around 1890, he married Rebecca Ann Crawford, known as Annie, and over the next 25 years had three daughters and two sons, all of whom became musicians. On July 5, 1892, while employed as a machinist, Chenoweth pled guilty to 10 counts of forgery and knowingly passing forged instruments, and was sentenced to 21 years in Huntsville Prison. He served only five years thanks to Texas Governor Charles Allen Culberson commuting his sentence, but why, I don't know. And that fact right there was worth every penny of this month's subscription to Ancestry.com. At the time of the 1900 census, Chenoweth was working as a railroad brakeman and eventually was a foreman at the Virginia, Shreveport, and Pacific Railroad shops. Around the turn of the century, Chenoweth had an idea for the world's first six-cylinder automobile. He sent plans to the National Engineering Laboratory in Philadelphia, but they quickly replied, saying, You must have been kicked in the head by a mule when a small boy, which left you laboring under the delusion that a self-propelled vehicle could be driven over a public road at 25 miles per hour. In our opinion, it's an idle dream of a feeble-minded person. Henry Ford did take an interest in the idea and offered to build two of the machines for $2,700 each, but Chenoweth kept looking and got the Bourbon Auto Company of St. Louis and the Western Motor Company of Logansport, Indiana to build them for $735 each, and Chenoweth wound up with two 14-passenger vehicles called stagecoaches. In 1907, the vehicles were taken to Colorado City, Texas, where he started a bus line between there and Snyder, a distance of 25 miles. But roads were poor, the machines frightened horses, 
and he was invited to take his contraptions elsewhere. An attempt to establish a 45-mile line between Big Spring and La Mesa also failed. And yes, it's pronounced La Mesa and not La Mesa, according to my wife, who's from Muleshoe, Texas. In 1905, Chenoweth got himself in trouble when he built his own biplane and flew 24 miles around Chicago, landing right where he had taken off. He was fined $165 by the city for disturbing the peace. Other of his inventions were the Big Ben farm tractor in 1918 and in 1920 a wind-powered electrical generator. Chenoweth claimed he never made so much as a dollar from any of his inventions, despite holding 17 patents. In the early 1920s, Chenoweth gave up railroading and inventing for a career in music. He toured the Keith Orpheum vaudeville circuit billed as the Texas Fiddling Wampus Cat, specializing in cowboy and hillbilly music. He formed his Cornfield Symphony Orchestra, heard on Dallas radio, and they made their first records for OK in 1924. Ben's son Joe became a champion fiddle and banjo player, and they performed together in the late 1920s, billed as the Wampus Cat and his Kitten, even making a couple of sides for Paramount. William Benjamin Chenoweth died in Terrell, Texas on April 1, 1946, and is buried in Dallas. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I hope 2021 has started off well for you and will do nothing but get better as the year goes on. It can't help but get better if you'll click in or tune in again next week. And as always, I thank you for your very kind attention. (laughs) ¶¶